From Elevate Communication, hi and welcome to PR Pod, a podcast all about the communication and PR industry in 2020 and into the future. Listening to PR Pod, you'll join me, Mark, and my colleague Ella as we explore in detail the fascinating world of public relations, communication, digital technologies, and futurism in 2020 and beyond. Mark and I are both professionals working in the world of communication and public relations. So safe to say we're extremely interested in all of the intricacies of communication today. We're pleased to invite you along as we delve deep into PR, comms, digital, and all of the wonderful highs and lows of being a communication professional today. Plus, we'll be talking a whole lot about what the future of the industry might have in store. We'll keep it light and fun, but aim to learn a little something along the way. From Elevate Communication, you're listening to PR Pod. Probably one of my favourites was when I was working for Entertainment Tonight America and I was flown over to New Zealand to interview Lucy Lawless when she was at the peak of her Xena Warrior Princess yeah, fame, Xena right? Fame, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, we actually got to go into her home and do a sit-down interview in her home and it was just so, she was so kind and open and very very professional i think that's the other thing is people don't think about that the actor is going what do you need out of this story how can i make it work for you let's you know work together on this so it was really she's a very smart lady anyway so the interview went really well where i really felt it was two people working together to to just produce the best story possible then at the very end of it as the crew was packing up she's like hey shell you want to try on the Xena outfit? Ooh. I was like, oh <laughs> my God, yes. Welcome back to the PR Pod. This week we have a fantastic guest. We'll be speaking to Shelley Horton. Mark, can you tell us a little bit about Shelley? Yeah, of course. Uh, for those who don't know, the wonderful Shelley Horton. She is a personification of confidence. Shelley is a journalist, a TV presenter. She is a podcaster. She's a MC. She shows up at all sorts of events, and she also runs her own company, Shell Shocked Media, uh, where she specialises in media training, presentation training, all of that. She runs a program called The Confidence Course, where she helps everyone find their inner Beyonce. A huge fan of Oprah. Shelley has worked right from crime reporting back in the early days right through to entertainment. She's had some amazing jobs, and I can't wait to speak to her on the podcast this week. So without further ado, Ella, I know that you are out this week. Unfortunately, I am. It would have been a fantastic one to have a chat to Shelley, but I look forward to hearing everything she has to say. So look, on that note, I'm going to jump in and have a chat to Shelley right now. So firstly, thank you so much for joining us on PR Pod today, Shelley. Could you um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career? Well, that's a very big question to start with. Um, So I have been a journalist for 25 years. So I've worked in TV, radio, print and online. And now I run my own business on top of that. So I'm certainly not one of those... uh, been in the same job for 20 years and haven't moved out of the one company. <laughs> I have uh, done a lot of docking and weaving and moving, but I would say that um, some of my favorite career moments would be um, when I actually started my degree, uh, after my degree, yeah. I became a crime reporter for ABC Radio. Oh, yes. <laughs> I yes, love yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like an absolute fascination for me. And then I got a break into TV when I moved to London for a year and I had my own entertainment show on TV over there and that kind of then steered me more into entertainment 
Yeah. And then I also worked for Entertainment Tonight America as their South Pacific correspondent. Oh, so that wow. was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I got to go to the very first Survivor at, in Borneo. So stuff like that is pretty incredible. And then sometimes when it comes to a crazy career like mine, it's the unexpected turns in your career that turn out to be fabulous. Like I was approached to become the gossip columnist at the Sun Herald and I was like, oh, my God, who would ever want to do that? Everyone hates <laughs> gossip columnists, you know, and then I'm like, okay, well, seriously, I'll do it for one year, just one year, to raise my profile. And I ended up staying six because I had so much fun. It was great. Yes. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is that's that is great. And I think that you've I don't know, every time I've sort of spoken with you, I think that I've always been boggled by the such varied and different roles that you have had. <laughs> like going from crime to all of that through entertainment. That's amazing. So what are a couple of the the most unique things that you have experienced on this? journey for want of a better word <laughs> well i would just say the thing about being a journalist is every day is different so the news cycle changes so quickly you have to sort of i kind of describe it as i'm on i'm on the balls of my feet so i'm just constantly like going as if i'm in netball like here if you need here if you need yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so i would say um some of the interesting things uh would definitely be seeing how the media can just bring people together. I mean, I think journalists get a pretty rough uh, end of the stick when it comes to reputation, you know. Mm -hmm. We hear every year that we're less trustworthy than um, oh, yeah. used car salesmen <laughs> and stuff like that. However, I also see, you know, incredible moments, like even with the recent bushfires where the journalists are the ones running to the fire to cover it for everyone else, you know, while everyone you know, the rest of the community is running away. And even with um, coronavirus now, like, we yeah. are keeping everyone informed. And I think that it's not until there is a crisis that you realise how dependent you are on the media for your information. Oh, definitely. And I feel like exactly like you say, corona and the bushfires are just really good examples of things that, for, for many of us, I guess, we see it and we hear a little bit about it, but we would have no understanding or idea of what is actually going on out there if it wasn't for the media. So, think, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's just this year. Like, how crazy yeah. is that? That's like in the, that yeah, the last just this year. couple of months. No. Um, so, yeah. Look, um, working in media during the time of COVID, how, what's going on? How is it, how is it affecting um, what you do day to day? I've got to tell you, COVID is awful. I hate it. I want to punch COVID in the face. Uh, and I know I'm not alone. So... What's happened for me is basically my company, Shellshock Media, has been decimated. Mm. So I've lost 80% of my work and my husband's lost 100% of his. So the only, you know, regular gig that I've still got is my one day a week at Nine Honey. So that's wow. been a massive change for me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm incredibly grateful that they've kept me on because I was the only freelancer that they kept. So um, it's Ooh. been crazy. Um, my last episodes of Talking Married, I actually did still go into Channel 9 to film them. However, it was all social distancing and quite strange. So I was <laughs> in a studio by myself with robotic cameras, so not even any floor manager or anything like that. The director and the producer was actually up on another level of the building in the control room. Oh, wow. The guest, the guest, one of the guests was downstairs 
in a makeshift studio in the canteen and the other Skyped in. It's been hectic. It's been a huge, steep learning curve. And now I'm doing all of my crosses for Channel 9 from home. And that, well, that, I guess the, the cool thing about all of that is that you've been, like, it's terrible. Most of that is terrible. But the, the cool thing, looking on the bright side, is how adaptable you've been able to be. And um, I guess that's the word I feel like the key word at the moment. Everything I'm hearing everywhere is adapt this, adapt that. How important is it, uh, especially when you see things like this happen, to be adaptable, to sort of to jump around and jump into these sort of intense sort of situations that no one knows what to do? <laughs> yeah, look, I think, it, you know, adapt or die has been a motto of mine since I started in journalism and that has been... Um, you know, being helpful considering that you had to adapt to digital and adapt to everything and adapt to social media. So I'm kind of used to doing that. I do want to make it quite clear, though, that when COVID first hit and, you know, I lost all of my business almost overnight, I did cry every single day for two weeks. Yes, very fair. But I was like little Miss Chirpy (laughs) and, you know, hey, what pandemic didn't affect me? No, it really did. It hit me between the eyes and it was awful. Uh, however, I think that's normal. And of course mm-hmm. you should be having those emotions and crying and grieving because it is part of the process. What I have found now is I've done the pivot and I've done the bounce back and I actually feel almost hyper-motivated to try and get some new work happening for Shellshocked and for myself. So I found what I did in my collapse mode was not particularly helpful, mm-hmm. but now I'm so, I've taken a step back and I've gone, okay, what are the skills I've got? Mm-hmm. How can I help people with those skills? Where's there a gap in the market? And so that's how I came up with the idea of creating my own online course on how to make virtual meetings work because no one seems to be doing it well. No. Everyone <laughs> is having stuff ups. I mean, you know, you've got the boss who turns herself into a potato for most of the, yeah. the meeting because <laughs> you didn't have to turn the people off. Or sits uh, over so here there's off all the of those. screen. <laughs> I know, right? So I think that there's a lot of people who are just not used to uh, having to be, communicate mm-hmm to a camera and so I've had 25 years of communicating to cameras so for me I was easy it was easy for me to it's adapt a little that bit of experience yeah yeah but also like I've been a journalist for 25 years yeah. so what I did is I'm also good at grabbing lots of information and distilling it into something that's a little bit more bite-sized and understandable um I employed two of my friends who'd lost their jobs oh wow to help me do the research. so that was kind of exciting and then terrifying because, you know, we had no income and I was paying them. You're paying people, yeah. Um, but is that, that's the kind of thing you have to do if you are going to do a major pivot like that. You need to invest in yourself and mm-hmm. you need to believe in yourself. So basically my husband and I have just turned this around in two weeks. It's amazing, We have yeah. created this course. It's one hour. And, you know, and I've made it at a very affordable uh, price point of $147 throughout COVID. And basically that means that people, if you're, you know, struggling at home and you're just not sure how to set your, your computer up so you don't have 10 chins and you don't, yeah. you know, or you feel awkward or embarrassed even being on camera, you know, this can help you. It's also can help employers who are having trouble communicating with their staff. I actually had... Price Waterhouse Cooper contacted me oh, and wow. said, 
know you do media training, but do you any do any training for uh, people who are not used to doing Zoom? And I'm like, give me two weeks. <laughs> so now, <laughs> so now, now I the do. Courses yeah. So I mean, it has been hectic, and mm-hmm. while everyone else has been, you know, talking about all of the Netflix shows that they've been binging, mm-hmm. I have sort of been working till eleven o'clock every night. <laughs> but now it's done, and it's just about getting it out there and hoping that it will not only help me but also have a trickle-on effect of helping other people, um, you know, because I don't think that this crisis is going to go away very quickly. No. And what I also think is it's going to change the way that we do business forever because I used to jump on a plane to go down to Melbourne for a meeting and back in one day. Now, there's no way I'm going to do that mm-hmm. anymore because you can just do a Zoom meeting. That's right, yeah. You achieve the same thing and have, have a one-hour meeting versus a 16-hour day. Yeah. So I think, you know, getting on top of using this new technology and actually not letting it overwhelm you but actually shining on camera when you do it, it's going to make you stand out from other people. So... Fingers crossed that it actually works. <laughs> no, they are. And look, I, but I think that's that's so good um, to hear because I feel like everyone's talking about losing their jobs, this happening, this happening, and obviously happened. But what you've done with that, I think, is the inspiring part, the part that most people maybe don't know what to do. Like, what's your motivational moment for those people who just are struggling or who are caught up at the moment, just going, this sucks and I don't really know what to do? Yeah, you know what? I would say be kind to yourself because it it sucks. It mm-hmm. really sucks. And it sucks for everyone. It's not, you know, there unless you have shares in Zoom, I reckon it sucks for everyone. Um, so I would just say be kind to yourself. Understand, like I did a great interview for Nine Honey Today with a psychologist, uh, Sandy Ray, and she said what we need to get through is we everyone globally has a bit of PTSD at the moment because this was a shock to everyone. Uh We're scared. We're unsure. And so that's like going through a trauma. What we need to get to is the next point, which is post-traumatic growth. Now, post-traumatic growth is the bounce back. And that's when things are terrible and you're feeling miserable. You need to then sit in it and then try and find your way out. Like, what's something I can do? How can I help someone else? How can this, how can I adapt and make a change? Once you get to that point, what you've done is you've learned from this experience, you've grown from this experience, and if anything like this ever happens again, you'll handle it with absolute ease compared to the shock and horror that everyone has been uh, feeling lately. Experience and look, I feel like we're all going to be having our eyes peeled and sort of thinking these things might happen more in the future. So I think we're all preparing anyway. But um, before we jump into the rest of the episode that um, is talking more about career and things like that, was there anything else in this time that you just wanted to get across to people um, about, you know, during COVID uh, and being in the media and understanding? I guess, why is the media important during COVID? Okay, so the thing is I even took a step back from consuming too much news because I think when the panic really hit, it wasn't good for my mental health to be watching Mm -hmm. news 24-7. And I think journalists need to be really aware of that. Um, So I think that we need some light and shade. What I love from PRs is don't pitch me anything that's not COVID-related at the moment. 
Like find an angle to relate it yeah. to COVID. Like make it that you're, you know, if it's a story about a beauty story, tell me about how to dye my hair at home. You know, mm-hmm. give me the tips and tricks so I can then pass that on to our readers and viewers. So I think in anyone who's just pushing a brand at the moment is not getting any cut through. So mm-hmm. find your COVID angle, um, but also look for some light and shade angles. So I did a story for Nine Honey this week that went gangbusters and I just put on my social media, tell me about the dumbest reason that you've cried during COVID. And yes, I, I got saw. flooded. <laughs> It, it just went gangbusters and people just loved it because it was things like my cats had a fight, so I cried. <laughs> or I broke, you know, the handle on my favourite coffee mug, so I cried. Like these are not normal reasons They're to not. cry. Well, you but, know. <laughs> yeah. But because I listed, you know, 50 of them and everyone was like brutally honest, it actually was hilarious and it made people realise that they're normal and it's it's completely okay to be it's crying okay, yeah. because you made one cup of tea or because you, you know, well, I, I cried because my husband dropped some bolognese sauce on the dog's head and the dog's white and needed a bath after. So, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> no, but that's, and that's so good. And it is, it's one of those things I think we're all looking for at the minute is something to smile at, something to laugh at yeah. and something, you know, to get, to, to realise, and that's when people talk about, you know, uh, gr- grouping together, being together in this sort of time. It's things like that. Like looking at, at, at a stranger who's done something that reminds you of what you do and just knowing that you are normal and things are okay. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's, that's so good. So, And make sure that you do have your check-ins with your friends, whether it is via Zoom or any of those platforms or by the phone, because I think that it can be very isolating when you're just locked in your house. So make sure that you do that because I have found uh, even though I, I find it quite uh, taxing performing to a tiny little camera, when it's my friend <laughs> and it's a glass of wine, when it doesn't matter where her eye line is, then it's a completely different story. But what I get out of that fills my cup up so that I can then do another day of work. So I would really suggest that everyone does a bit of a check-in and a bit of a mental health check just to see how everyone's going and make sure that no one's sort of getting swept aside. No, I think that's so good. And actually, I have a um, a friend of mine out of Sydney who started, I guess you guys copped it a little bit more than, than we did initially, but he started sending out texts maybe a couple of weeks ago, just uh, a COVID health check or something he called it. He just out the blue, I just got that. And it was great. And I think, yeah, exactly like that. Just checking in with people, talking to people, knowing that people are still there. You might not be able to sit in the same room as them at the moment, but I guess just knowing yeah. that they are still there is so helpful for us all yeah absolutely and i think um like you know particularly for the pr industry so i've now done three virtual conferences where they've had guest speakers and panels and it's all been done via zoom and they have gone off without a hitch like and we've had huge interest and uptake from these people because they're desperate for connection so i think maybe um i know most of the event companies are just shutting down shop um but maybe think outside the box and think mm-hmm. about virtual and think about how you can change things. I actually, um, I was on a panel for an event company called um, AV247. So they do all of the tech and everything around live events. So yeah, obviously yeah. they've got no work. But they had a big brainstorm and came up with ideas of throwing an event. But what they do is they do it online, 
but coordinate so that you have your guest speaker, you have your keynote, and then at the same time, everyone has Uber delivered at the same time. So That's it arrives so good, at your yeah. door. And one of, it could be one of your sponsors or your client that, you know, drops up something as a present. So you can still have that interaction without actually being there in person. I think we kind of need to start getting a little bit creative on how to make that work. Um, just even if that is a stopgap. I mean, I hope and pray that that is not how it will be <laughs> in the future because I love me a live event yes. and I love, no. I've never been so sad to think about all of the, you know, PR invites I said no to at the start I know, of the year. right? I want to go back and say yes to all of them. <laughs> I'll go to anything. Let me come. Yeah. Oh, I know. And I will not be, you know, as soon as this is all over, there will be no such thing as social distancing with me. I will be doing full body hugs. I may lick faces. Like, it is going to be a whole free-for-all. The, whole, the free-for-all. <laughs> and it should be. Look, I think, I think I, it should be. Have you covered many of these sort of breaking types of stories throughout your career? Well, no, I haven't really been a full-on news reporter for, like, decades. Like, seriously. (laughs) However, what I do now with my regular spots at Channel 9, so I now do um, Today Show, Today Extra, Weekend Today, and so all of the things I do on those uh, spots are opinion segments. So Mm -hmm. to be across everything... You kind of have to almost be um, an expert and very adaptable and be able to consume a lot of information and then bring it out in a very short form. So I love doing that. So, I mean, even this morning going in to Today Extra, there were two coronavirus topics that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. One was Woolworths opening for the hour in the morning for elderly and disabled, which I cannot like that is the best PR move I've ever seen oh, was amazing yeah and I and it honestly it changed my decision as to whether or not I shop at Coles or Woolworths that's how powerful things like that are so um you know we were talking about that but then two minutes later we're talking about whether or not you're honest with your partner about money so you have to be able to flip and change according to you know what's going on and I also think there is a bit of a skill in relaying information but not being too doom and gloom and getting people into a panic. So you have to be able to take a serious topic, give your opinion, and then maybe even put a bit of a, a positive or a happy spin to it. So, yeah, it's a challenge, but yeah. it's kind of my norm now. So I am very, very comfortable doing it. No, and I think and I think watching you, it's easy to see how comfortable you are and how – I guess how aware of different things you are. It's amazing to sort of see you jump between those types of topics. Yeah. And so often, and there's so many different topics that you speak to uh, on those shows, and I have no idea how you keep across them all. But <laughs> but it is it is. But you make it look yeah. so so easy. Look, like uh, let's let's be honest. Sometimes there is some googling happening, like in the makeup <laughs> chair, a little bit of like, oh, quick, give me some facts and stats on that. But that's all right. That's all right. That's all part of it, and it's That's good. All part it's good. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, look. I guess then. Um. I guess then. The, what drives you every day? You wake up and you're like, "This is what I'm doing today." What What is it? What's the the get up and go? What makes you? I've got to say, I honestly, hand on my heart, would say that I'm probably one of the most motivated people I know. Mm-hmm. I'm incredibly driven to be successful. Um, and I'm also I'm a very I'm a passionate communicator. So for me, 
the idea of, of getting coronavirus and having to be in social isolation is my worst nightmare. Yes. Like, for yes. Me, I'm I with am you a on true that. extrovert. I feed off other people. Like, you know, I love all of that energy. There's nothing is makes me happier than being up on stage talking to hundreds and hundreds of people or being on TV and, and talking to hundreds of thousands of people. So for me, it's kind of, it's almost part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. But I do think that ever since I started my own business, which is Shell Shocked Media, ever since I was the one in charge of my career and my income, I think that has given me a stronger drive. I think that when it's your money on the line rather than your yeah, boss's that's money, it, isn't it? it changes everything. Um, so if anything, I've had to learn that I need to have downtime and I need to relax because I tend to push myself to almost burnout often. So, you know, it was actually one of my goals for 2020 to have one day off a week because I wow, wasn't doing yeah. that last year. Yeah. Oh, wow. And how, how do you do that? How do you sort of um, relax, get yourself switched off? Then? I am 100% Netflix and chill. Or are they calling it now Stan and Snuggle? Um, <laughs> we like when that. I power, when I power down, it really is me and my husband and the puppies on the couch mm-hmm. watching TV, that I need to put my brain in neutral. I still am probably scrolling on my phone at the same time, so I have to try and get better at completely disconnecting because I'm not good at that. It's so hard, But yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, there's no, like I don't, I don't love throwing dinner parties or things like that. Like I love seeing my friends, um, mm-hmm. but again, I think people might be surprised, but I have a very small circle of friends. But those people are my people. They're my tribe. Yeah. And every time I see them, they fill me up and we help each other and we're we're all very supportive and motivating. And most of us work in the media or, or something similar. So mm-hmm. um, I get I certainly get recharged by spending time with my friends. But Besides that, no, it's sitting on the couch and probably ordering Uber Eats. Yep, fair enough. Look, I think, <laughs> but I think that's great as well. I think that people don't realise that's that is, you can do Normal. that. It's good. <laughs> it's good to take that time because you can run, 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 and just not. But um, yeah, absolutely. And I think then, Shelley, and I think listening to you talk about all that is is so nice, and so nice to hear that you do have that downtime. But I think then, when you're on, you're on, and I've seen it for so long, having sort of followed yeah. your career. And yeah. I guess for me, it's been it's always been inspirational and aspirational. A lot of, a lot of what you've done, I've seen. Um, I've, you know, I've known your work for a very long time, and I've seen you in so yeah. many different platforms, from that crime writing right through to this. Um, to Married at First Sight and the the Talking Marriage show and yeah. all that you do now, which is so different. Um, so I guess then from for myself, people like me, I might use the word inspiration, a career inspiration. Aww, <laughs> nice. Yeah, but it's tr- <laughs> but it is very true, and I think um, it's easy to look up to you um, as someone who's been around for a while, as someone who's had a like you say a very a, a career that's changed throughout quite yes. a lot. But you've always been there. You've always been very solid. And in everything you've done, you've really, it's been obvious that you've applied yourself. So I think then for you, how how did you get to that point? Who have you looked up to in your career? I, you know, I think it's, it sounds like everyone says this, but Oprah was my spirit animal. Like when mm-hmm. I was growing up, just the way that she distilled difficult emotional issues into very everyday speak was so inspiring. 
I used to always, I had it for years. I had um, my Twitter bio said, I'd rather win a Logie than a Walkley. And that kind of sums me up. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not going to be aspiring to be on 60 Minutes. That's mm-hmm. not my jam. You know, like I'll leave that to people who are much smarter than me. Um, but when it comes to speaking to everyday people, that's where I love it. And if I could have. My dream job, which is the Shelley Show, I want that to be educating people to better themselves. So it will be having those difficult conversations. It will mm-hmm. be having a laugh. Like laughing and learning is probably my favorite way to describe everything that I do. Like you, you are learning something, but you're having a laugh at the same time. Yeah. So I know. I think that it's. I feel like it's a cop out saying Oprah, but it's it's my truth. It's she. I still, you know, find her so inspiring and i was lucky enough um to follow her when she had her two shows at the opera house i got to be in the audience for that and it i it was like a religious experience for me like it was just fantastic and when she came uh i think it was about five years ago and she was just did some some speaking gigs i went along and saw her and every single time i just got something different out of it and something that just filled me up a little bit more and inspired me to keep on going. Well, I think I think you're right. And I think everyone who's – and it's, it's good to hear that as well, that Oprah, because I feel like Oprah was that, that voice for a lot of people for a long time and for all sorts of people. People didn't hear from Oprah's – apart from Oprah. Yeah. And other people tried to replicate her and, and things like that. And I don't think it ever really – Yeah. Well, worked. I've always – like balked against people if, if they say oh you want to do the Shelley show is that going to be like you know um Australia's Oprah I'm like no there is no other Oprah and you know what no. I don't want to be Oprah Oprah wouldn't talk about vaginas the amount that I speak about vaginas. <laughs> that's you know? right Oprah doesn't have the gutter mouth that I have so <laughs> I think it's um it's important to run your own race but to have a guiding light that would probably be the way I'd describe yeah. it. Yeah. No, I love that and I think that it is. I think you look at people throughout your career and you see yes. they they blow you away for whatever reason. And I think um which leads me to another another question. Um Yeah. Oftentimes today I'm hearing from a lot of young comms professionals, you, you go to unis, you speak at unis and you talk to these people and a lot of them are like I want to be on TV, I want to be on the radio or or whatever. Mm. They want to be in broadcast. Um and what would you say to those people? They're looking for that that high profile, that sort of semi-celebrity status that might come with it. What would you say? Yeah. Well, my first thing will be what is your reason for wanting to do that? Like you have to come from a better place than just wanting to be Insta-famous. Like that mm-hmm. is not good enough. Are you willing and committed enough to actually go back and do a journalism degree? Are you willing to go and do work experience at TV stations and radio stations where you can't expect to jump in to a hosting role? Mm -mm. You know, like it just doesn't work that way. It's taken me 25 years to be hosting Talking Married. So I kind of feel like people need to respect that there is a lot of groundwork that you have to do. There's a lot of learning. And I just worry when people are like, oh, I'd so love to be on TV. They don't know what it's like. No, they, don't know yeah. what, they don't know the pressure that it is. They don't understand that, you know, if you have a brain freeze on air and your words don't come out, that you will not be asked back again, that you have to be prepared. So I guess anyone who's wanting to make a career move, which I I am like the poster child for career moves, just <laughs> yeah. make sure you're educated about it. Make sure you know what you're doing. 
I think mm-hmm. when I um, when I went traveling overseas after I'd been working at ABC and I wanted to work in London, but I had about four months where I just went traveling around both Canada and a bit of America before I landed in London. And so what I did is I made sure that everywhere I went, I'd do a day of work experience. So I ended up doing work experience at CBC in Canada, which is the same as ABC Radio, but it's Mm -hmm. Canadian Broadcasting Commission. It just so happened, and it's a very sad story, but it just so happened it was the day that Michael Hutchins died. Oh, yeah. So while I was in there doing work experience, they saw me with my Aussie accent and got me to voice some reports. You know, so the opportunities that, that open up through just being in the building and being willing to get the coffees and do whatever can can absolutely blossom into other other opportunities. I I remember going to Vancouver TV, VTV, which was kind yeah. of the only way I could describe this station is we don't have anything like it in Australia. Okay. It's kind of like <laughs> Triple J on TV. So oh, it was yeah. definitely youth focus. But we're this talking about like the year Jesus, I, I think it would be like 1998 or, yeah, I think around that, like that's how long ago it was. And on this station, their female pre, um, news presenter was Sikh Indian and eight months pregnant. And instead of having her hidden behind a desk, they actually had her standing up with one hip, like resting on the desk. Oh, wow, yeah. And like it took us 20 years to even get to being okay to have pregnant women on TV. So, you know, I just think if there's any chance to do work experience somewhere different, you never know where inspiration and um, just a different way of looking at things can present itself. I just find I'm like a sponge. I just want to learn and absorb and, and see what's going on everywhere rather than just nasal gazing. Gazing. I love that as well. Look, I love that. And I love hearing those sorts of stories. Those, I guess working in this field, hearing those sorts of stories is, it's exciting. It's fun because you do, yeah. you, and you, you see it along the way, like the amount of opportunities that just sort of present themselves unexpected and you just got to be ready to run with them, I think is Absolutely. key to this industry. So um, it's nice to hear that. And I think it's, it's nice to sort of hear how that happened to yourself as well. So I think people probably yeah. look at you and they see you and like, oh, you know, she's just doing that, got there, um, but with it not realizing all of that background. So I think that's it's so much work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's 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 amazing the amount of um people that miss that. And I think today as well, we have this sort of super uh high tech generation who are online, who are maybe making videos and things from the time they're fifteen years old or younger. Yeah. And they just sort of think this is where they're going to be. And everyone has these sort of five-year plans, which are super crazy. Like it's like a it's a 30-year yeah. plan, but um, they want to do it in five. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah. And look, talking about some of those stories, you've interviewed loads of probably amazing people, normal people, all yeah. sorts of people. Anything that stood out to you as someone that you've just been like, whoa? Well, I've got a couple that – they, I mean, and they are celebrity interviews, and I've got to say that, you know, that's often what sticks in your mind because often it can be either incredibly disappointing or incredibly, you know, um, motivating. So my probably one of my favourites was when I was working for Entertainment Tonight America and I was flown over to New Zealand to interview Lucy Lawless when she was at the peak of her Xena Warrior Princess yeah, fame, Xena right? Fame, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so... um. 
we actually got to go into her home and do a sit-down interview in her home. And it was just so – she was so kind and open and was just like – and very, very professional. I think that's the other thing is people don't – often don't think about that the – the actor is going, what do you need out of this story? How can I make it work for you? Let's, you know, work together on this. So it was really, she's a very smart lady. Anyway, so the interview went really well and we we were talking about how she doesn't reveal where she lives because she had so many lesbian stalkers, even though she's oh, not yeah, a lesbian. Yeah. Like it was actually quite. I remember hearing that, yeah. They would just turn up at her house. Mm. Um, anyway, so it was just, it was a great chat where I really felt it was two people working together to ha- to just produce the best story possible. Then at the very end of it, as the crew was packing up, she's like, hey, Shell, do you want to try on the Xena outfit? Ooh. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and so she let me put it on, and I put it over my T-shirt. But, oh, it was, like, made out of copper on one side but soft leather on the oh, inside. Wow. And, you know, like, she didn't need to do that. I know that's that sort that's, of thing yeah. where you're like that is above and beyond, and of course I've told that story at like four million dinner parties ever since. <laughs> of course, yeah, that's dinner party conversation shows, for the rest of your life. Yeah, right. <laughs> what a what a great person she is that she knew that that would be an absolute thrill and made it happen. I love that, and um, I think yeah, talking then like she would have been the when she was the height of Xena fame. That was like oh yeah, the, that was the massive, show, man. yeah. And yeah. not, I guess that's changed as well today. Things have changed in that in that department. There's not sort of, I don't know. Do, do you think they have? Has has TV changed? No, I think what I think has changed is it used to be uh, movie stars, and now like you've got Al Pacino doing a series for Amazon Prime called Hunters. You know, like so. I think that we've blurred what used to be a movie star was the be all and end all, but now we realise that there are just so many different ways to consume. Uh, entertainment that we need to not have those divisions that we've had previously um and i would i would still say that you know most people get starstruck around hollywood actors um but a lot of them it's deserving and then some of them is really not like my worst ever interview which again, yes yes feeling a bit too much we'll, we'll i was so excited i was working for the australian version of entertainment tonight with richard wilkins and mm-hmm. Mario patani and um we got to interview pierce brosnan about 007 when he was james oh, wow Bond. yeah he was awful oh he was so <laughs> awful oh. and he was so sleazy and he smelt bad all so you terrible know, like, things. Terrible things. He smelled <laughs> like James Bond. <laughs> I know, right? So you have these high expectations. Mm. But he was um like he hit on me, he hit on the female sound recorders, oh. and then um he smelt like those blokes that work out and throw their gym gear back into the laundry basket and then their business shirt and then they pick their business shirt back out and wear it again. Like mm. that stale smell yeah, of not the, not kind the of wet best. dog. Yeah. Not what you want from James Bond. No, no, it Very isn't. Very disappointing. <laughs> it's not what he portrays on the screen. I but I think that's it as well. People think these people are the screen version is them. Yes, I know, and that is so true. And I think that's the difference too. Some people are incredible actors and they embody a character and some people are just movie stars. Like Tom Cruise is a movie star. He's playing Tom Cruise in every role. Yeah. Will I hand over my money and watch every single Tom Cruise film? Yes. Yes. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's a movie star, you know. So yeah, that sort of that sort of thing 
you you get what you pay for. You do, yeah, and you know, and you know what you're going in for as well. Yeah, I think, yeah. he's he's selling what says on the tin. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's great. That's what you're going for. Yeah, but look, um, well, I guess then, so you've done all the interviewing and moving forward, you have Shell Shocked Media today. Yep. Tell us a little bit about what what happens there, what you do there. So Shell Shocked Media is with my husband Darren, and basically we kind of can put it into a couple of pillars, and that. He, my husband does camera and sound for, as a, as a freelancer, so mainly at Channel 9. I do all of my TV work at Channel 9, which is just the way it is. Like I was at 7 for 8 years, but I'm at 9 now. Um, and then the other pillar will be emceeing events and yeah. ambassadorships and stuff like that, which I love doing. But then our like probably our most important pillar is our media training and presentation training and that is something that I have developed over being a journalist for 25 years and the fact that I'm doing it like up to four times a week so I know how important it is to be able to speak succinctly to use anecdotes to get your story across and what I love is training experts not Mm -hmm. wannabes they're not I don't specialize in you know up-and-coming YouTubers, I actually work with doctors and lawyers and psychologists and people like that who are already established experts in their field, but because they know so much, they need to be taught how to bring it down into a um, bite-size message. And the other thing is these days, you wouldn't just call it media training. You, You definitely call it presentation training because we can use this in well, now, I mean, we're in lockdown for coronavirus. Everyone's going to be doing video conferencing. Of course, yeah. So yeah. you can do my course so that you, when you have your chance to speak, you actually shine. And all of that really is important for you to have the confidence to speak up at meetings, to have the confidence to sell your business well. I, you know, I've had some people do my course and they will never, ever, ever want to be on TV. However, Website content is so important these days, and they need to be providing content on their yeah. on their business page. So they do it for those reasons. So I feel like it is a huge growth area, and it's certainly an area where everyone could brush up their skills. So it's certainly not something where you learn it once and then that's it. You've got to be practicing and and making sure that you're staying at the top of your game. Hundred percent agree, and even I know when I started my career, I was uh, a radio and television journalist, and I still need to be practicing that every yes. single day. When I wasn't on, you know, I, I needed to be across that. And I think that is, I think that probably sets sort of separates um, people a lot. Those people you see, those people yes. who are so comfortable and confident, who do this thing and they're practicing, they're doing voice exercise. I remember doing such strange yeah. voice exercises as part of red my leather, yellow, leather, red leather, yellow, yeah. leather, red leather, yellow, leather, red leather, yellow. And you do, and and it's so important. I think um, a lot of people are scared of it. I think is that would you agree with that? That a lot of these experts are maybe a little bit scared of being in the media. They're they're very capable. Absolutely. Mm. And for some people, if they do not present well on TV, it could ruin their business. Like it's a great way to promote your business, but you can also do some serious damage if you present yourself as an expert and then you look like a bumbling fool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that the thing that I love about teaching this is I feel like I can get results from people really quickly. And there's some really simple tips and tricks that you basically, you do those and you know you're going to be fine. So it, it becomes almost a little bit 
psychological in that you're going, I've done my exercises, I've done my prep, I feel fine. Yeah. And then you do, you perform because it's, it's, it's a confidence game. And it's almost like those sports people you hear of them putting on like their socks on yeah, one foot. Like it's, it's the same thing, right? It's one of those. Yeah. Do your little routines, and well, can you give us a couple of little little um, sneaky tips as to what yeah, um what 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 might be some of the yeah the little key things? Okay, so I think the biggest thing, and people forget about it, is the importance of breathing. So. Basically, when I started at ABC Radio all those years ago, we were so lucky that we would have one hour of voice training every single week. Now, these old ladies were terrifying (laughs) and they would have like a meter-long ruler and you'd have to practice reading the bulletin and they would slam the ruler down (laughs) if you didn't breathe in the right spot or if you ended with an upwards inflection instead of a downwards inflection. Oh, those upward inflections. I know, I know, right? But what I've realized is the things that those voice teachers taught me was probably more valuable than my journalism degree. So the main thing is making sure you're calm because it's very normal and natural to get nervous if you're having to either do public speaking or be on TV. Mm-hmm. So if you can calm yourself down and make sure that you're filling your lungs up completely, you will be able to present in a more authoritative manner. Because as soon as you start getting nervous and not breathing and you shallow breathe just at the base of your throat, it's like everything gets a little bit tense and your voice goes high because you haven't got enough air. And you want to be really relaxed and have that resonance in your voice that, that just correlates with authority. Now, my other big tip is I basically call this my life motto, but it's the five Ps. Prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. Okay. And basically that means... Do some prep beforehand. So even with me doing TV three or four times a week for almost 25 years, Mm -hmm. I still jot down some notes before I go on air. Now, do I need to? Probably not. I can wing it. Do I perform better if I do jot down some notes? 100% yes. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it's worth doing. I think that that's something that a lot of people think, oh, I know about that topic. But if you haven't actually prepped and written a couple of dot points down, you're not going to get it out in the succinct way you'd like to. And then my final thing would just be you have to practice out loud. So you need to pretend you know what the questions are and answer them out loud, either record it on your phone or just say it to the mirror because you'll find having to make your mouth form the words, it is very different to just thinking it in your head. And it's when you have to form the words that you have the slip-ups and do it in practice rather than on air. And I, Yeah, and I think on that, when you see someone speaking confidently on air, it comes across so differently than when if you see, like exactly like you said just before, if you see someone bumbling, it doesn't matter how much of an expert or how knowledgeable yes. they are. You're like, mm-hmm. But if you see someone gets up there and just delivers that message, and I know yeah. that people mocked Lady Gaga a few years back because she was delivering the same message over and over again in every interview. And I, sitting at this side, I was going, that is perfect. Like she was getting yeah, that. She's on brand. She knew exactly what she was there to say and she said it every time. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, when you see someone doing that on TV, someone who's delivering that message and you trust them, they're an expert. Yes. So no, I love all Absolutely. of that. And I love all of your peas and all of the. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you. Thank you for speaking to that and giving us those little bits of um, little tidbits. But look, 
On PR Pod here, we're talking to people working in the public relations, comms, marketing, all those industries. And I guess um, throughout your career, I know that you have worked closely with PR people. I know yeah. today you, you don't work maybe as closely as you used to. But I wanted to ask, what are some of the best things in your career that you've seen a public relations person do that's really helped you? I think my biggest advice to PRs now because of what worked when I was like working at the newspaper and, and places like that is actually investing in a relationship with the journalist, mm-hmm. not only contacting them when you have something that you want put in the paper. So it does mean, you know, having those drinks after work or making sure that you go to the event and all of that sort of stuff. I, I think that it often feels like you, you, only speak to the journalist when you have something that you want rather than something that they want. So for me, some of the best experiences would be when someone said, or I, if I said, you know, in passing, oh, my God, I'm on deadline, I'm, I just need one extra gossip item and I am stuck, and they call back five minutes later going, hey, I've got something that might work for you. And yeah, it's got nothing course. to do with their clients. It's got nothing to do with them getting any benefit but it's helped me out and so I will remember that for the next time that you want to promote a product that I'm really not that keen on I'm probably more likely to do it because you've helped me out Mm -hmm. in the past so I think definitely relationships I think it's not a contact if you do not catch up for a coffee or catch up for a drink or do some in-person contact work I think it's easy to get lost in the hundreds and hundreds of emails that we get every day. Yeah. No, and I think so important. And I think exa- I that from me working in this space, that's been my whole drive has been relationships. Yeah. I think without them, there's no, there is you have yeah no contact, there's no success. Um, yeah. And you're sort of yeah you don't want to be a salesperson. A good a good public person person's not a salesperson. We're a, a, a yeah a confidant. It a, should a be friend. more about branding rather than about product yeah and i think also if i'm if i'm talking to you every day and i'm I'm sent you know what i'm going to sell you you know what i'm going to tell you about it's not yeah here's a random thing out of the blue i've never <laughs> spoken to you i want to give you this yeah um so i think that yeah so i i 100 agree that relationship is everything in this space but one other thing i guess um one thing that people don't ask a lot about or what are some of the worst things you've ever seen a public relations person do so it happened all the time uh, when I was at the paper and it would be I was doing the gossip column for the Sun Herald and Ros Raines was doing the gossip column for the Sunday Telegraph mm-hmm. and they would email me and say, hey, Ros, I've got oh. a great story for you. So, like, just getting the names wrong is so simple but any time that happened, I would just delete Like, it's just ridiculous. So I'm sorry, but it is important to be updating your contacts, making sure the spelling's right of people's names. Mm -hmm. Like, all of those small details actually become big details. And I actually had an example just last week where a PR contacted me about a story for Nine Honey. And they said in the email, it is vital that you mention the brand name in the first paragraph. Oh, just telling you what to do. Oh, my <laughs> God. I just uh, didn't do the story. No, no way. I was so angry. I was like, I was, I couldn't believe the audacity of that. Like, I understand you need to get your KPIs and stuff. Yeah, of course. But 
do not tell a journalist what they have to write and where they have to mention brand names and things like that. Oh, so That's cringy that was, hearing that even, to be honest. I'm yeah. a little bit like, oh. <laughs> and I, I spoke to my agent about it and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I can't believe this happened. Um, it must be like the work experience kid. And it turns out, no, this woman was 35 years old working oh. in PR. So she should have bloody known better. She's someone who, yeah, has, should have done this once or twice before. Oh, my God. And I, you do Ridiculous. get it. You get, I guess, on this side, you, look, you do get it from your, your clients as well. But uh, you, I think yeah. you have to manage client expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think that this, we also need to be very aware that times are changing. And so what used to be okay 10 years ago, it's not now. So. You've got to be adaptable. Oh, definitely. And um, I guess today as well, the other thing that we're seeing a lot is is people like yourself who are working across so many different platforms on so many different subjects. Yeah. Need to not just be adaptable in the way I present something to you, but in, in I guess in what I'm giving you, I need to give you things yeah. for social media and things as well. Is that would you agree with that? Is that is that right? A hundred percent, yes. And it's also you know like there are different situations where I might do a story for Nine Honey or I might be doing sponsored content for my podcast, Things You Can't Talk About on Mm -hmm. TV, or I might be doing an ambassadorship where I'm then having to provide interview material to another journalist. So it's not, it's so, such a gray area now that I think that the most important thing that I could say to PRs out there is Bulk emails don't work. Just stop sending them. Mm-hmm. I don't care if the client says send it out because they're annoying. And I don't like follow-up phone calls. I would prefer okay. a text. I, If I'm interested, I will get back to you. There's no, There has not been a single time that someone has sent a bulk email to me and everyone, every other female journo in Australia, and then it's just gone just uh, following up on that p- email from last week <laughs> that I'm like, oh, my God, yes, I really wanted to do that story. <laughs> if we're interested, we get back to you. Um, so, yeah, I think tailored and targeted. If you can, you know, maybe talk to your client and say, what are your true top five gold star people to contact mm-hmm. and let's give them a different angle for each one. And then it is very targeted. It You know the style of that person. You know what their audience is. You're not trying to just do a blanket general so-so story. Yeah, just pushing go, something, yeah. Yeah, go, go very niche, go very targeted and decide – one TV, one podcast, one radio, like just, and if you then get five amazing stories because these people have felt special Mm -hmm. and wanted to really do a great job on the story, that is worth so much more than maybe five general spotted or, you know, up going up, going down, you know, like just nothing pieces. So I think, yeah, target, target, target. And, again, that's going to come down to really using your contacts and knowing what your the journalist audience really wants so that you are, when you pitch to them, you're pitching something exactly for them. But yeah, directly to them, treating them like a person. Yeah. I think that yeah. that's always one of the things that I try and drill in is like um, when you're talking to the journalist, you're talking to another human, someone who has <laughs> a full life, an emotional, you know, they're a, a real person. Crazy. That's, blows people's minds. 
But look, um, well, look, you've answered so many things for me, given me so many tips, tricks, tidbits, all of that. But what? But tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. I know, I know little bits about some of the amazing things that you're doing, but I'm sure there are things well, that. I'm I know that you're a fan of things you can't talk about on TV. Uh, a little bit. From from sure. way back. From way back. So, yes. And that's why you're actually an original fan. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> I think that this is, again, it's kind of interesting in that. So, Things You Can't Talk About on TV was a passion project that I created with Dr. Ginny Mansberg. Mm-hmm. And we just came up with this idea of tackling taboo health issues that you – and our, our, you know, our touchstone was – would it make Koshi blush if he had to talk about it on Sunrise? Um, and let me tell you, that leaves a very, very large pot of stories because <laughs> he's fairly conservative. So we did a video series of that. We had mm-hmm. a couple sponsored, but not that much. And we just plugged away for nearly five years because it made us happy it was, as well. Yeah, we loved doing it. Yeah. Then um, Audible came knocking and basically now things you can't talk about on tv has been turned into an audible original podcast eight episodes wow yes it's amazing yes and it is <laughs> it's available in australia the uk and the usa oh wow like, that's great so for a little passion project that we've been just like chipping away at to to get an international release and also i know a lot of people are saying oh you can't get paid for podcasting and so hard to sp- we got paid very well thank you very much <laughs> you just gotta wait for the right opportunity just five years of plugging away and then <laughs> well, well the thing is though you at no point would you say that i was wasting any time you know no. how busy i am yeah but plugging away at something that makes you feel happy is worth it as well oh, so definitely. please get everyone to go on to audible.com.au because things you can't talk about on tv is free for members and it's also free if you sign up for a 30-day trial. So and it's, it's out it now? Out. It's out now. It launched um, last Monday. Last Monday. Brand new. Oh, Brand definitely. Oh, I'm the, oh, no, I'll be checking it out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, again, fits into my core values of laughing and learning. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we are talking about very, very taboo topics. Like, there's an entire podcast on semen. There is an entire podcast (laughs) on periods. There is an entire podcast episode on farts. So, you know, we have gone very niche, but the response has been spectacular. Oh, so good, Because everyone's laughing, going, that was hilarious and I was gagging. Or that was hilarious and it put me off my lunch. But they are just like, I didn't know. I knew so little. And I remember, and I remember years ago when when you were doing the the originals, yeah, that exact response, always <laughs> laughing, always gagging, but it always came back. So I was um, like, I didn't know that. How about that? Never. You always learn something. I don't know. Like okay, sometimes so it's like <laughs> no. So yeah, so that's kind of my my big push at the moment, mm-hmm. and then I think because Corona has just kind of uh, yeah taken over the world. I also have had to really rethink what I do because in one weekend I had three months worth of gigs cancelled because I'm emceeing big events and Mm -hmm. I'm uh, even media training. People are not wanting to do that because they were doing the media training because they were going to be speaking at Fashion Week. Fashion Week has been cancelled. So I'm now trying to kind of regroup and I do have an online version of my media presentation training, Mm -hmm. so I'll be pushing that out. But then I think I might even pivot again 
and maybe do some some free maybe Instagram TV or something on how to present well when you have to do video conferencing. Oh, yeah. Like that sort of thing. So teaching people some new skills that they need right now mm-hmm. and, and then know- in the hope that that will then flow on to them either wanting to do training with me when everything's, you know, back to normal That's or all, yeah. doing the online course. No, and I love that. And I think um, I, I, I do follow you on um, some of the socials. But for people looking for some of that content, how can they follow you? How can they check that out? So for um, my socials, it's Shelley Horton One. Uh, and the reason there's a one at the end drives me crazy because there's <laughs> a guy in America oh. called Shelley Horton and he's got like six followers and I've got like 36,000 followers <laughs> and I still have to have the number one at the end. But yeah, so Shelley Horton One is for all my socials and trust me it's the good and the bad on there it's not all sugar-coated like most people <laughs> um and then if you are interested in any of my training or emceeing and stuff like that then you can go to shellshockedmedia.com yep. and that's my company so um thanks for letting me you know have a chat about that i really appreciate it no thank you so much for speaking with us i loved everything that you had to say I'll be definitely, definitely listening to this a few times for little tips for myself. <laughs> and um, and look, I'll be checking. I'll be definitely checking out the podcast as well. So, um, thank you so much, Shelley, for taking the time to speak with us. Absolute pleasure, always. But the um, pleasure was mine. I um, you know, boy, can I talk? We could have, we could have just kept chatting for another hour. Oh, easily, <laughs> easily, and we will. We'll find another time. <laughs> But, um, but yes, we'll have to have that wine. Yeah. And yes, next time I'm, I'm down down your way, I'll certainly be be taking you out for a, for a wine or a, or a coffee or whatever it is to just. That's the way to do it. <laughs> well, thanks Love again, thank Shelley. So I can only say thank you so much, Shelley. Thanks for taking that time to speak to us. So many valuable little nuggets and insights in there. Um, I can't wait for people to hear this episode. But some of the things I guess that I took away were just when speaking to the media. Being confident, no matter how long you've been doing it, practice, practice, practice. Speak to people like Shelly, you know, people who have this those skill sets, people who will train you to be the best. Follow them on socials. Check out what they are doing. Um, know that throughout your career, there will it will take time. Like, I guess if you're coming out of uni and you're wanting to jump into it or you're, or you're thinking about going to uni to go into broadcast journalism or TV reporting, know that it's going to take a bit of time, but don't lose sight of those goals. I think that's one thing that's always really inspired me, Shelley, about um, you is that you have followed those goals and worked through all sorts of hurdles and things to, to get to them and you've just delivered it with such poise and grace. It's been amazing to watch um, and I still love just watching it. Right from um, when you know when I first came across what you were doing right to today, it's, it's just wonderful. The other thing that I think is super important is if you have the opportunity to, to try and work, get some work wherever you are in the world. If you're traveling, go and check out some of the local studios. See if you can get in there. You might just have a lucky break, but always be ready for those lucky breaks and always work hard so that you put yourself in the position to have a chance at capturing one of them. So learned a lot this episode, and I hope that you all did as well. From Elevate Communication, I'm Mark. I'm Ella. And this is PR Pod.